0: You ever heard of the phrase, old soul? I think it's something about being wise when you're young or being mature when you are at a young age. I think that it can beckon you to make very specific decisions, make you be a little bit more aware and forward thinking and also very future forward minded. I think in today's age, we can truly be entranced with so many things and boggled down by over stimulation via social media and so many other things. As a content creator, I genuinely believe that we have to have to mind our overall devices figuratively and literally and make sure that we're putting our mind into things that are smarter to reduce the level of, you know, you know, stress and worry that we might have about the things that we have to do especially when we're talking about maintaining a good social media presence. My guest for today's episode of the Brave Podcast, Matt Milstein, gave it has created a really interesting solution to really I believe is going to shift the market of podcasting and overall marketing as a whole. So, buckle up and get into this conversation. I am Rodney Perry also known as King, and I am the host of The Braid Podcast, sponsored by Braid, your new, newest solution for sourcing, publishing, and editing short-form content. Let's get into it. This is The Braid Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am Rodney Perry, also known as King, and you are tuned into The Braid Podcast. And today I have a special guest here with me, a Serial entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Old Soul Podcasting Network. Um, I have here with me Matt Milston. How you feeling, Matt?
1: I'm doing great. How you doing,
0: Rodney? Uh, I'm doing good. As I said, as I said in, you know, right before we turn the mics on, your setup is amazing. I know the people are gonna notice and see it. And I can't wait to, you know, get to get into the editing it, you know what I'm saying? Because right. it looks so good. Which I love that, you know, that's becoming a thing. You know, I think I can always tell. The difference between people who have watched, who just went in a rabbit hole of YouTube to get their setup right and folks who kind of like really know what they're doing and they really going crazy. It's like, oh, this mm-hmm. this backlighting is crazy. It's, mm-hmm. it's hidden, but it's good. You got a big, big bulb light or something. Got a big balloon right in front of you possibly. All that type of stuff is always lovely to see. But no, how you doing is that?
1: I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Thank you for showing some love to the setup. It's one of those things that I've always wanted, I think secretly, to live that YouTuber lifestyle and have the studio set up and all that, but never did it. So the past couple of weeks been, my wife has set a point, she's like, okay, so what's, what's all the gear? Are we hitting that level where it's like, you're getting a little little too crazy with it? Because I'm constantly <laughs> buying stuff and sending it back. And I'm like, babe, check out this light. Yes. Send it back, get a different light, different yes. stand. Yeah. It's,
0: that's love, that's love, that's love, though, that's love, though, that's love. I liked it, I like that. Well, let's get into who you are. Um, you're a young entrepreneur who has been entrepreneurial for a long time, but I would love for the people to understand your story as well. So tell us about more about you.
1: Thank you. My first entrepreneurial journey, or endeavor, if you could call it that, was when I was eight years old, I started a nonprofit called Cards of Joy, I was in third grade and we were going through a book, I forget the name, but we were learning about entrepreneurs and what it meant. And there was a story of a little girl who made greeting cards, birthday, get well, thank you, thank you cards, stuff like that, and sold them to friends, family to save money to buy a bike. And at that time in my life, I really liked to draw, not anymore. My parents had a hair salon uh, attached to the, to the house and I was constantly interacting with their clients, so I mm-hmm. identified my first customers, and I had this deep desire to helping others, specifically those in Haiti, and that just comes from a variety of things in, in my early childhood, and yeah, so Cars of Joy was born, and started out with just lined notebook paper, folded in half, a client might have their hair color processing, and I'm drawing some snowmen on there for a Christmas card, and sell it to them, We partnered with an organization called Beyond Borders, who was the actual like boots on ground in Haiti. And the approach to fighting child servitude was to partner with the community and to equip them with resources and knowledge on how to take these girls out of violent situations. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we were going in there and like, this is the best way to do it. It was a community effort. Community said, here's what we need. And then stateside, we tried to bring that in. Fast forward to high school, I started a recording studio called Savage Studios. Uh, I'm a musician at heart. And yeah, during that time was just kind of learning the industry as much as a teenager can, was giving drum lessons as well. Ended up moving to Nashville, Tennessee, pursuing a career in drumming because that was the dream since I was a little kid, Tour the world, do all the things. Third year of college, that passion just kind of left. And Mm. truthfully, the only... Word that I can really describe it as the feeling is heartbreak. Like it felt mm-hmm. like a terrible heartbreak, where, yeah. So, in working through that, a lot of prayer, a lot of uh, just trying things out. Ended up switching communications, went entirely left field, had an internship, was a podcast producer, realized I'm kind of good at this, started a marketing company, was doing way too much at once yeah. in terms of offers, realized podcasting is the one thing I really, really loved and saw opportunity with, doubled down, and old soul was born.
0: Okay, okay. So let's let's slightly unpack some of that. Because um, I love that, you know, so much has happened in a small amount of time. You know, I think that, you know, there is something about... Because how old are you exactly?
1: I'm 25 next month.
0: 25 next month. <laughs> 25 next month is great, bro, because I think that it is something about... And I think it's a good thing. Like, that's something I noticed um, during the pandemic about the idea of pivoting was something that was, you know, truly a a buzzword of that year. And I think that uh, every generation after, I want to say maybe Generation X really, uh, had to learn to pivot or embrace the idea of changing careers or changing passions or discovery in a different way. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of our parents, generations and People, you know, of older generations, that was a hard thing to even imagine. It's like, no, you get into your passions once you retire and you have made all the money you needed to make to sustain you and your family. And that's when you can care about, you know, the flowers and trees. Um, But in reality, that's something that's a part of us the whole time, you know? Like, yes, we might have a practical passion or a creative passion that maybe suits us during the time, but it might not suit us, you know, for a lifetime. Um, and trying to consistently search and grow within that is, uh, is a beautiful thing. So, I, you know, kudos to you for pivoting and still finding passion everywhere you went within yourself. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. so you got to the point to where you basically, you know, made the transition from music to being, you know, starting a marketing company in a podcast studio, uh, being Old Soul. Tell us about Old Soul. First, why the name of Old Soul specifically?
1: Thank you for the question. In naming a business, I can't speak for every entrepreneur, but for myself, it was probably the most difficult thing, thinking of, well, it has to be short, it has to be easy to say, easy to spell, it needs to have meaning, it needs to, you know, someone needs to hear it and understand what the heck you do, right? And when I first started, I think I was just Matthew Milstein, LLC. No, I definitely was that. And Old Soul was there, but I didn't want to double down on it because I was thinking, where are people going to think when they hear that? Like, there's no marketing in there. There's no podcasting, just old soul. And it comes from childhood. I was called one. I always was referenced to as an old soul. A lot of that has to do with just upbringing. You know, my parents were entrepreneurs. They left the big hairstyling lifestyle, started a, a salon attached to our home. So from a young age, I'm interacting with clients who are, you know, decades, uh, ahead of me in life. And then conversing with them, there was, you know, they felt that I was an old soul and, and growing up in retrospect, I see that there were, were definitely moments of like, you know, I felt more comfortable speaking with people ahead of me in life versus my peers. Yeah, I wasn't concerned with the things my peers were concerned o- about. It was always just kind of, you know, going
0: against the grain yeah okay i see i see i see i liked it i liked it i too was definitely called an old soul and maybe it's something to that you know yeah. being able to be articulate and communicate yeah. at an early age is yeah. certainly a um a very you know mature quality to have so i understand that that makes yeah. sense um so tell me exactly what does also do as a as a company as a business
1: We specialize in B2B, business-to-business storytelling. Mm -hmm. We do that through two service offerings. One is podcasting, and the other is content flow. For podcasting, we have a completely done-for-you system. The main goal of most of our shows is for lead generation. What we've developed is a direct relationship-building tool for our clients through podcasting. So very, very briefly, if you want to do business with someone, start a podcast and invite that person to interview them versus building an audience of, you know, tens of thousands of listeners and hoping that the right audience is listening and then they buy from you. So we do it directly. And we invite those prospects on team takes care of everything else. Content flow is a new offering that we're softly taking to market. We're not fully there yet. In short, I brought on a partner, Dr. Rod Berger. He is a, a journalist, a prolific interviewer. Has written for Forbes, writes for Entrepreneur Mag. We've done probably 150 episodes together. He and I went to Africa podcasting together. We've had a number of celebrities on his show, and a number of times I've heard, I've never been asked that before.
0: Mm.
1: What an amazing question! More times than I can count. Malcolm Johnson, that. Deepak Chopra, Guy Fieri. Um, Damon, John, like big, big people. And Rod and I are working on content flow. In short, we partner with B2B companies and agencies. We will interview someone from C-suite and develop about two months worth of content. Content varies in its forms, but yeah, so that's, that's what we do.
0: Mm. Oh, that is so cool. And I think that is something that's so necessary right now. I feel like One thing that I think I learned very quickly when it came to when it came to starting my own podcast in 2015, I think it was the idea of like getting people off of a social media and onto (laughs) these particular streaming applications to just listen to me. Um, and, And it's crazy that, you know, social media has became this interesting, you know, symbiotic situation where it's like, If we're not on it, then it really doesn't exist. But if we're not on it, then how are we going to get to the people, if you will? Mm -hmm. Um, So there is and because of all the shifts and algorithms and the demands of social media, it's technically it's its own job to where you're almost making quality content just for the sake of people being attracted to your page and attracted to your you know, the things that you do to eventually be motivated. To clap, just to, to tap that link, to mm-hmm. come and see something, to book that consultation, to do whatever it is that you are offering online. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so intriguing to me because they know this, and yet it's still made to be a difficult thing, you know? Like, not even to get on my soapbox all the way, but mm-hmm. it always baffles me that, you know, there are people who are casually on these applications who are. Perfect to be perfect consumers of so many different businesses and you know and content offerings as a whole just for entertainment purposes or educational purposes. So in my mind, if you create, if you because they they already fixed that they already have distinguished who's here for that and who's not by creating you know creator profiles and business profiles and so on and so forth. And if, so that's something that you're opting into on these platforms. In my mind, in my mind. Uh, You should not even have this um, kind of like specialty. This is just a specialness treated to you on the application. But I think it should be an understanding of you posting so much, you sending it off to, you know, so many people to, you know, interact with you interacting with so many different people should be seen as something that helps you continuously build because you're creating things to keep people on the app versus people who are just casually posting, you know what they ate last night in the cat video, you know, but majority of the time they're just being spectators. I love that you are offering you and and your company are offering something to mitigate a lot of those things by taking some long form content and breaking it down because, you know, that's what, that's what brain is all about too. So I get it, (laughs) you know, as a resource, I get it. Um, But I I definitely have a podcast, you know, question to you, for you. Um, So many people speak to, you know, oversaturation that podcasting has certainly hit this, hit the ground really hard in, in the past few years. And so many people have popped up with podcasts uh, to the point to where it's almost something that everybody considers as something to roll out a, you know, album movie show of uh, so many various different, you know, platforms are using, you know, this accompanying media as a podcast, as a part of it. and, I wonder if you do you see a like a plateau of growth in terms of the industry or is there a kind of a it's just a point of the maturation where there's a settling in and the people who are going to stick around are going to stick around or Mm -hmm. tell me what you think about those things when it comes to the growth of podcast industry.
1: We're not saturated. I only think we're. I think we're going to see a lot of change this year. My forecast is. What we're seeing on TikTok is going to be applied to podcasts in the coming, maybe not 2024, maybe 2025.
0: Speak more today. What do, you, what do you mean?
1: Well, there's a few things that we're going to be testing. But when you look at attention spans and they're shrinking, mm-hmm. the general rule of thumb for a podcast is what? Keep it 30 minutes or less, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what would it look like to have digestible content on podcast platforms? Mm -hmm. So taking, you know, take this episode, for example. Well, there's going to be different segments or different topics that you and I discuss. Thanks. Is it valuable to post just one of those topics on podcast platforms, Spotify and whatnot? I, I don't know. I think we're advancing to a point where people may want that. And I could see playlists put together of like, you know, two minute long episodes or segments, whatever you want to call it. For a given topic. Mm-hmm. Just the means of breaking people into a podcast before fully committing to it potentially. I like that. But I just think that like we're seeing on on social everything is short form video content. Mm-hmm. It isn't entirely being applied to podcasting as it stands only in terms of marketing. Mm-hmm. Where shorts are made and all of that. I just I think might be wrong, but I think. It, it would make sense for, for the industry to kind of go to that shorter content. Um, but yeah, also we can link it in the show notes. I believe as Neil Patel brought up a, uh, a recent stat that showed for, in terms of blogs versus podcasts, there's like one blog for, or one out of seven people, and there's like 7 billion people or whatever, there's a billion blog posts out there. So that's a extremely saturated market. Extremely. If you look at YouTube and the number of YouTube videos that go out daily, mm-hmm. the number of new channels created, stuff like that, vastly larger than podcasting. Silent. So I don't think that we've hit that point of saturation yet. I agree. I still think that there's a a level, not level, but there is a kind of like a threshold to get over or a hurdle to get over in podcasting, unlike other platforms. Because you think about it, on TikTok. If you have a smartphone, you can have a video up in 15 seconds, Yeah. all in-app. Yeah. Spotify, they tried rolling out the, you know, originally Anchor and now Spotify for platforms. Can you record episodes from your phone? Yes, you can. But the tech isn't there yet, yeah. at least on these platforms, where you're adding your pre-recorded intros and, like, you're doing all of that production
0: exactly
1: uh, in-app. So I think that also makes it difficult for people to get started because they're like, oh, I need lights, I need cameras, I need mics, I need... All these different assets put together mm-hmm. versus TikTok, which is much easier to break into.
0: Yeah, no, no, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I, I feel the same. I asked a similar question to Rob Greenlee, a former guest of ours, and he said something similar. He gave me some numbers saying, you know, there are over, I believe he said about, it. I don't know if it was 200 or 2 million podcasts that are like in, I think it was 200 million uh, that have like added been added to a directory of some sort, mm-hmm. but there's only like twenty thousand <laughs> that are actively posting on a consistent yep. basis. So it's like the rubric is different, and I think that in comparison to everything else, I think that that's the the difference in issue because I think it's a lot easier. You don't get catch a lot of creative fatigue being mm-hmm. a musician where you're you know mm-hmm. maybe have spent a lot of time to craft. Out several different songs you might do that for a large amount of time versus a podcast you have to book the guests you have to edit those things you have to market the thing you have to continuously prepare for new and better episodes Mm. it takes a lot of creative energy to do it um like podcasts are certainly a a multi-level media um product so it's kind of like this isn't just me you know kind of being in the room, producing my own track, singing on my own, on my own track, and mixing and mastering, and putting it out really quick. It's like I have to, you know, If especially if I have a guest-based format, I got to book the guest. We got to schedule. We got to get together. We got to do all these things. I got to use several different contraptions. There's a million things going on around me right now, <laughs> you know, just to make the thing happen. So I always thought that that was intriguing, but I think a lot of people can't really keep up with the uh, – with the actual like work and the labor of maintaining a podcast. And I think that's why consistency is like a main thing of like being able to stick around in this industry as a whole. Um, I believe social media has some real high demands and I, I was mentioning it earlier. And I think that having content flow as one of your offerings, I think is really, really good. I think it's also right in the midst of the highest, you know, demand right now. So I think you, you know, kudos to you for even being ahead of the game because I think, For a lot of people, that's exactly how they feel. Even for myself, you know, I I feel that I'm at the point now where I'm genuinely trying to, you know, continuously like try new things in terms of social media because I feel like I keep hitting, hitting, like keep getting these to these points and it starts to plateau and my growth is not as where I want it to be. And I can I can definitely say that you know content flow and having a consistent sense of content could possibly be the issue because I'm a one man band, you know. As so many other, you know, independent creators are, and so I love that. That's a, a content offering. Do you believe that this, as a demand, like that's what's going to kind of separate the people who are really good and cutting through and gaining more elevation within their, you know, consumers, followers, clients, is the people who have a great idea around their content flow.
1: Yes, I mean. Stripping back content flow, what, what's the big idea? Strategy. Mm-hmm. And so many businesses that we've met with, they will start a webinar series, They'll start a you know they'll start a blog. Yeah. and they only look at the content for serving one purpose. Mm-hmm. They have the webinar, mm-hmm. and then after the webinar, what happens? Maybe there's an email, yeah. maybe there's a blog post, that's it. Yeah. What we like to do is if we're dedicating the time to recording an episode, that's 30, 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. we should be extracting as much from that as we can. Thanks. Now we're not just trying to make content for content's sake, but there are valuable moments in there. And there is a lot that can be recreated to serve a variety of platforms. Mm -hmm. So I think that those that come in with more of a strategy in mind of like, look, why do we have a webinar and a blog and a podcast all in these different silos? Like nothing is working together. And that's a big thing that we do with clients is like, okay, if we're making the show, it needs to fit in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. not just be off on an Island. So it needs to be in your newsletter. It needs to be in email signatures. It needs to be easy to digest for, you know, employees to share it's Mm -hmm. just how do all these elements work together and i think that is more valuable than just you know spray and pray as it pertains to content
0: i feel it i feel it i feel it i think that you know to me i feel like the algorithmic you know setup of all these social media sites everybody has an algorithm now and i understand it from a context of from a developer side of why that exists um But I think it's such a, it feels like such a, you know, um, not a consumer friendly, uh, you know, format and like setup of any particular application because it has this level of like estimation Mm -hmm. aspect to it, this level of, you know, kind of guessing. It feels like, what's the, it was a show back in the day called, I think it was, I don't know, I want to call it Minority Report, Uh but
1: where, where they like, they
0: like can like, sense or like can see the future and know that you're going to mm-hmm. commit a crime before you commit the crime type mm-hmm. of thing yep. random but like to me it's like that's how I think about the algorithm it's like they're trying to best predict if you're going to like this content then mm-hmm. you're going to react a certain type of way and if you don't react that type of way then hmm, you must not like it moving on Yeah. downgrading minimizing yeah. the amount of views you know when in my mind it's like hey I don't know who you showed this to first. <laughs> I don't know if you just picked 200 random people out of my followership to just show this to who for one are re- the, yes, they're on their phones, but they really don't care about my content. They follow me broadly because they know me. Uh, they've never interacted. Like in my mind, it's like, if you're not sending it to the people that you know for a fact are more than likely to interact then you're not really helping the thing. And I think that I, I don't know algorithmically how they pick and choose or if that's a randomized situation, either way, in my mind, you got to send it to the, to the phase. You got to send it to the people who are already in the DMS already and already doing those things. Cause for me, that's always been my Achilles heel in terms of growth. Mm. It's like, I'll, I will have these great moments of, you know, of consistent growth, consistency, all these various things. And I'm posting all this diverse content. And in my mind, it's like, great. It's, you know, it's happening. And then, I consistently stay in that pocket of the thing that kind of made the shift happen, and then it's like something shifts again, and now I have mm-hmm. to adjust again. You know, how does, one, how does one who is consistently creating um, content for whatever, if it's their business, if it's their you know, whatever it is, how can someone actually keep up, in your opinion, with the, al- the algorithmic changes that happen truly almost every quarter?
1: It's a good question. It's a question that also begs an answer for how well do we know the algorithm? Mm -hmm. Because there is a lot of speculation on how these platforms work. Do things like being shadow banned, does that exist? Yeah. You know, on TikTok, there's rumors of, well, if you delete a video, that isn't good. So you need to make it private. So only you see it instead of deleting it from the platform. I've heard you need to have 25 minimum drafted videos in TikTok so that the algorithm thinks that you're active and stuff like that. Really? Maybe, maybe. But, you know, <laughs> I, I hear all that stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. I think at the end of the day, what do all of these platforms have in common? Mm-hmm. There is an audience, mm-hmm. semi-captive, and they have people providing content to fill them up. Well, what fills people up? Entertainment? Facts. Value? Yes, in the forms of education, mm-hmm. what else? Maybe a couple other things in there. So if we focus more on that and creating content that is valuable, I think then it becomes less of a matter of, well, how can we hack the algorithm and more how can we build longevity mm-hmm. and how can we engage with an audience? Well, before you engage with an audience, you need to understand your audience. Yeah. So if people are DMing you, people are leaving comments, one thing that our team will do is we actually log that information, mm. not on platform in our own separate stuff, mm-hmm. but we'll also have maybe micro interviews with people and see, well, why did this piece of content resonate with you? Yeah. We had, we just acquired a new client that saw a piece of my content on LinkedIn. Mm. You best believe I want to understand what piece of content and what drove them to actually reach out to me. And you know, on the call they're like, we can tell, you know what you're talking about and all that. I want to understand why. Because then that gives me the ability to create more content like that Mm. and try to create a lookalike audience. So I think that 80%, 90% of focus for creators and businesses should be on consistent, valuable content. Mm. The remaining 10%, sure, go to trends. Look at trending audios. Look at what is popping currently. Yeah. But I wouldn't rely on that because here's, here's the big thing, Rodney. For you on TikTok, but let's just start, overview, who's your audience?
0: Uh, majority majority women between the ages of, like, 20-something to 30-something.
1: Okay. What's mm-hmm. your goal on social?
0: Um, I think my usual main goal is to get conversions to my podcast. Uh, I would say it has been the main goal for about eight years now.
1: Okay. Let's dig deeper into that. Mm-hmm. What do conversions on podcasts look like?
0: Um, I think that, for me, it's in if, if wh- where you found me is through social media first, it's you clicking that website link. My website link is, uh, I have my own website kind of link tree, if you will, that's attached to my website. So I get those analytics first instead of a link tree or right. any of these other things. I already kind of created a, a page on my website that's specifically for that. Uh, and then clicking and continuously, you know, so it's really just two clicks. Um, if not, uh, if not, depending on where you've seen, it. if you go to the link in my bio or if you see it through, via my store, you'll get there in even less clicks. Um, so, getting them to actually just listen and consume the content is really the is really the goal in most cases because just that at, at, just that analytical capture of that particular metric is one that's honestly the most valuable um, in most cases. Like you can have a bunch of people subscribing, but no one listening. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's never the case that no one ever wants to be in. So you want the people to consistently come back and uh, build that retention. So I would say the listen is that conversion point for me. Is that you've seen this via social media and it mm-hmm. motivated you to come click the link and actually listen to the podcast for however long you could.
1: Taking a step further, mm-hmm. are you more interested in listeners or engagement? Because I'm hearing engagement as well. Mm -hmm. as retention
0: for sure i think i think if i guess i spoke of it in a i guess in a um, in a sequential way of like that being the first step uh because i think that what happens after the listen is Mm -hmm. subscription you know subscribings being um you know actually subscribing um following very you know if you've more than likely you've already seen my page you're more than likely already following me um so subscribing to the actual podcast and coming back to listen the following week and then only coming back to listen. Now, the second time you're listening, you feel the need to share. Mm -hmm. So now you are incorporating this a part of your real life and also bringing it into the virtual world, letting people know that this is what you're doing. And so now once you do that, and let's say I have a particular, you know, um, every or, you know, particular offer that I'm speaking on from a sponsor or something that I'm offering from my own business via the podcast and you let's say you book a consultation, let's say you actually, you know, use the, the promo code to actually sign up for whatever it is that I'm, you know, reading about uh, that I'm marketing within the episode. Now you're becoming more of an advocate for me. You like you're you're listening, you're subscribed, you're tapped in and you're also lily every call to action you're following. So that means you are truly an advocate of me. Also, you're telling other people without me even suggesting for you to. You're that satisfied with the content that you wanna tell somebody else. You wanna share it without even being, just that's being motivated to be shared. So there's definitely engagement from a context in the, yes, from a social media context, but even more value comes with them, you know, doing things in the real world outside of social media.
1: How much more rich is that than just, I want more listeners. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of podcasters get wrong. They focus so much on the listeners. And it's like, look, yeah. a couple things with that. Listeners can be the equivalent of you're driving on the highway. You see a billboard. That billboard is seen by 100,000 people a day. Mm-hmm. So how many people are actually pulling off? and going to that location Facts. and then actually buying and then actually telling other people and then Facts. actually enjoying and sharing. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can like, I, I try to move people away from listeners because just like we saw a decade ago and still happens to get today, people are botting their social accounts. Podcasts are being botted too. Like For sure. You can, buy, you can buy listeners. You can buy all that. Mm-hmm. But the question is like, are those just vanity metrics and that you like, do people just feel good knowing that I get 10K downloads an episode? Yeah. Cool, but so what? Right. Like, do you have an actively engaged community? No. Well, what you can see maybe.
0: that, what you can see that once people like who can. do do that, if they okay. utilize those numbers to be able to, you know, leverage some type of deals and partnerships and brands uh, to okay. work with, To especially if they're paying them upfront. And, mm-hmm. and then they're giving them, you know, some type of code to, you know, monitor these things. You're making 10,000. You're saying you have mm-hmm. 10,000, you know, downloads or plays um, every week. Mm-hmm. Then the expectation could be at least 10% of that are people who are going to click this link or who are going to buy something or going to do something. And if the numbers are always you know, tremendously low than that. <laughs> you like, you're not even cracking 1% of that. Yeah. Um, but your listens are always that. It's mm-hmm. like something's disconnecting. Like, yeah, it seems like people are tuning in, but really don't care about what you're saying to me. Yeah. That's what I would, what I, what I would deduce that to be. And I think that I've been, because of when I started and all those things, I think I've always been very true to what it is that I'm doing this for in the first place. If I didn't have a passion for it, I wouldn't have done it. In the first place and i think that the desire to make money via podcasting and all these various things is I, to me i feel like for you to really be able to be consistent it has to be a secondhand option because there's so much sweat equity that you have to put in before you even get to the point to where you have a substantial you know situation unless you already are coming in with already the sweat equity done you know if you're starting a podcast and you're 40 years old you already have a wealth of knowledge all these things then it makes sense but if you're like a lot of people very young you know new finding their voice just like i was i started mine at 22 you know Mm. and so for me it's kind of like i understood that for me to get to this point i gotta i have to be good at this before i even quote unquote Think that somebody should pay me or or align themselves from a business context with this particular, you know, platform. So I feel that. I feel that a lot, you know, and I and I think that this year has truly been a year from it's already started off being a year for where I want to understand that social networking isn't just via, you know, these applications. Like tapping in and calling in those people who you have the number of, you have the email of, you already have the contact point that every single one of these applications would love to have already. (laughs) They want your email. They want your number. They want these, they want your location, these data points to be able to understand more about you. You are, we all already have that in our phones already. We already have possibly 50 to a hundred people that we could possibly get on the phone with right now, just to have a casual conversation, just to ask them about their day, just to ask them about what, what's on their mind, what's going on. And that technically it's the same thing that will fill out all of these various uh, social media platforms, because it's so much of it is just a stream, this collective stream of consciousness on every single platform. Um, some are just more directed to give you to keep you in a certain pocket, if you will, you know. Absolutely. Um, but I appreciate that, uh, that that particular, you know, distinction, because I do think that a lot of people do need to understand what that is and um, start utilizing every element of these kind of, you know, market these digital marketing Tools as tools, you know, Um, my last question to you is about, you know, the name of this podcast being Braid and Braid is something that I think is can truly be so useful to so many people in this year, especially, especially with the turning in the trend that's becoming of, you know, people are tired of the inauthenticity. They're tired of the, hey, guys, I am da da da. Here's this product, da, 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 you know, and yeah. people really want to get real people's responses and engagement yeah. um, within the content. I would love for you to tell the people who are listening and me exactly how you and your company want to utilize Braden this year.
1: I see several applications. Mm-hmm. First one is actually with networking. Um, right now I'm doing something on LinkedIn. Connecting with more individuals mm-hmm. to have coffee with Matthew. Mm. And there are a lot, been having really great success with that, just meeting over Zoom, virtual coffee, stuff like that. Loved it. There are people that are skeptical, like, okay, but why? Well, with Braid, I can actually send to them yeah. a video that's like, hey, I'm Matt. One of my goals for 2024 is to make more human relationships. Mm. In today's content age, I feel like we're losing the human touch. Love this. And I want to just meet more people. So, this is not a sales call. I literally just want to learn about you and your story. Mm. Well, I can use Braid to actually send that out. And I might get responses from that. But honestly, I'm not too concerned about that. Right. Because with Braid, instead of using like Loom, let's say, if I'm messaging someone or I'm DM- DMing them, well, on Braid, like the video comes up and it's. It's vertical, yes. it looks natural yes. the platform versus a loom that's going to give you the horizontal and mm-hmm. it just a whole other mess of things. So there's that. <laughs> I think in terms of for podcasters, engagement is a huge thing. Yeah. So putting out your Q&As through Braid, collecting responses from there, incorporating yeah. that into the episodes, um, that's another means of doing it. But yeah, those are probably the, the two big ones.
0: I love that. Perfect answer. Perfect answer. And I think that that's a great suggestion. The, uh, the previous episode that I did called New Year, New Braid, uh, I gave uh, what I believe to be so a few suggestions that I'm going to utilize when, when my podcast comes off a hiatus uh, to continuously engage, but also uh, understand what the people are looking for in terms of my content, like if you are here, you know, maybe you haven't gotten exactly what you want and you believe that I was going to provide a certain level of, you know, education, entertainment, or a certain type of guest to expose you to. Let me know. And Braid yeah. is a great way to kind of collect those things. And I think that that's the beautiful part that I always consistently try to tell Michael anytime, you know, you know, Michael is certainly a, a true CEO because he's. Mm-hmm all over the place and right in the right, right places at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I've told him um, consistently, like, the cool thing about Braid is that if you continuously just think about various different use cases, so many people can utilize this for so many different reasons. So it's it's, yeah. I think for so many people, it's, it maybe seems too basic or they need their handheld for certain things. It's like, it's really based on your imagination. What is it that you need? There's a nine times out of 10 break and fill in or give you some type of easier way of getting that done. And, um, and, and being able to have that content all in your own is yeah. something that's a beautiful thing that people are yet again, trying to, trying to have, trying to get uh, by way of the, all those things. So I appreciate you giving me your time matt um i hope that you know everybody understands that you are truly a resource and someone who's changing the game and keeping the podcasting industry healthy and thriving please let everybody know how they can support you and um and also maybe even work with uh old soul as well
1: thank you for having me first rodney um really appreciate the conversation and uh yeah i'm i'm Active on LinkedIn. So shoot me a connection request. Just Matthew Milstein. If you are a business owner and you're interested in podcasting and you want to meet with prospects, you can shoot me a message on LinkedIn. You can also visit our website at oldsoulpodcasting.com.
0: Mm. And you see all of those things in the description of this episode. I appreciate you so much for your time. Thanks. This has been the Braid Podcast. Peace. This podcast is brought to you by Life is King Creative, hosted by and produced by Rodney Perry in cooperation and partnership with Braided Ink. Thanks for listening. Make sure that you subscribe for more braid content.